Exodus chapter three, I'm gonna start in verse one. The Bible says this, it says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and he came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, listen, God is, uh, there's in your life, there's something burning. There's something that God has set on fire that is not being consumed. But watch, God doesn't speak to him until he takes time to turn and look at it. You gotta pay attention to what God is doing. God will be doing things, fire will be burning, but he only speaks when we turn to look at what he is doing. See, it's one thing to come to church. It's another thing to look when you come to church. It's one thing to come to church and hear the songs and to hear the message, but it's another thing to set your attention on what God is doing so that you can hear the voice of the God, the voice of God saying your name. This is good. This is good. We have to pay attention. In the New Testament, Peter and John are walking to a gate, and the gate is called Beautiful, and at this gate, there's a lame man. And the Bible says that they told the lame man to look at them. Look at us. Give your attention to us. Can I tell you something? If you will give God your attention, he will exceed your expectation. But you have to give him your attention. You have to look at him. You can't come to church and just play the religious game of, hey, I checked off the box. I attended church this week. I was a good person. I fulfilled my religious obligation. God does not just want you to show up. He wants you to pay attention. Come on, somebody. He wants you to pay attention. So we lean in and we focus in on what God is doing. And then God says, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. Here I am, God. And then God said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off of your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Aren't you thankful that he's the God of Jacob too? <laughs> See, I'm glad he didn't put Israel there, but he said Jacob, because Jacob is Israel's uh, previous name. It's the name of the, <laughs> it's the name of that deceiver. Come on, God is not just the God of your good days. He's your God in your bad days. He's not just God on the mountaintop. He's God in the valley. Are you thankful for the God of Jacob? I'm thankful for the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing 
with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's an amazing thing. God says, I see, I hear, I know, I am coming, so I'm sending you. What a responsibility. What an amazing call. What an incredible opportunity to partner with God to do what God wants to do in the earth. Jabin said it this week. The things that God wants to do for you, he wants to do with you. Come on, listen, God can only do for you what he can do through you. I heard the prophet Lionel Richie say that this week on American <laughs> Idol. Seriously, I heard him say that. And I thought, man, that's powerful. God can only do for you what he can do through you. This is not about you, it's about others. God's rescue of you is so that you can rescue others. God's calling of you is so that you can call others to God. Wow. I hear, I see, I know, I am coming and I'm sending you. What a powerful thought. I see, I hear, I know, I'm coming and I'm sending you. What does it mean to truly see? He said, I, I have seen, I have seen. The Bible says this about God in Psalm 46 and one, it says that God is our refuge and our strength, an ever present help in time of trouble. So if he is ever present in the time of trouble, then he must see when we are in trouble. The Bible tells us in Chronicles 16 and nine, Second Chronicles 16 and nine, it says that the eyes of the Lord are roaming the earth, looking to strengthen those who love him. He is looking, he is, he is seeing, he is an observer, he is a committed observer. And what God is asking of us is that we would commit our lives to, to seeing. See, God didn't just call Moses because Moses was gifted. God called Moses because Moses had seen. Moses, what God had seen, Moses had seen. And because they had seen the same thing, God wanted to use Moses. Can I tell you something? God is not calling you because you're so talented and gifted. God, has calling you, God is calling you because of what you have seen. God is calling you to be a rescuer from, from, of people from what you have seen. He has, you have gone through what you have gone through for a reason and a purpose. It didn't just happen to you, it happened for you so that you can help others come out of the same thing that you saw and you've come out of. You have to commit yourself to see. In other words, you have to be present in this world. You gotta look up from your cell phone. You gotta look up from the computer screen. You gotta turn your eye away from Netflix every now and then. I know there's some great shows on Netflix, 
but you got to look up from the, the entertainment of the day and the thing that is consuming so much of your time. I was looking, you got this new thing on your iPhone that tells you your screen time? Did you go look at that and get embarrassed by how I got embarrassed? I went to my screen time and I looked at that and I said, Lord Jesus, I could change the world if I spent that much time just looking away from my phone. I got to see, I got to look up. I'm not just, I'm not just saying this to you this morning. I'm saying this to me. We have to be committed to observe the world that we are living in. We have to be present. We have to be there. We cannot be in our screens. We have to be looking to see what's happening in the earth. He said, I see, I hear, I hear First John 5 and 14, the Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We have to hear. Moses, when he, when he fled Egypt, the reason he fled Egypt was because he heard a couple people, a couple of Hebrew men fighting, and he stepped in, and they had heard that he had killed an Egyptian. But he, he heard, he, he's, he's listening to the things that are going on around him. We cannot bury our head in the sand and act as if nothing is wrong and nothing is happening in the world. We cannot act as if, and, and this happens to us very often because we live in America and we, we can be so disconnected from some of the most serious problems in the world. We are so blessed in this country. Isn't it amazing how blessed we are but how much we complain? Isn't that amazing? Like when you look at the rest of the world and you look at the dumpster fire that is the rest of the world, when, we, when you watch television and you look at what is happening in America, I know we got our issues, but God has been good to us. And sometimes because of the goodness of God, we like to bury our head in the sand and act as if nothing around us is, is messed up. But we gotta open our ears to hear. We gotta see. We gotta be present in the world. And we have gotta open our ears to hear. One of the ways we can hear better what's happening in our culture, in our society, is to, to ask questions, to listen to people's stories, to get a perspective that we don't have. He said, I, I see, I hear, and I, I know. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but when all, what was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. The Bible teaches us that Jesus exchanged the glory of heaven to come and to be born in the earth like one of us. That we don't have a high priest who is just off in the cloud somewhere, who doesn't know what we're going through, who doesn't understand our pain, but he knows us. He knows us intimately. He was tempted just like we are. He was tested just like we are. He was in pain just like we are. He suffered just like we do, and he knows us, and he understands us, and it required him to get out of heaven to get into earth, to be surrounded by the thing he created so that he could truly know what we experience. He knows us, and God is asking of us. He didn't, remember, he didn't call Moses. Moses was not talented. Matter of fact, Moses was an 80-year-old shepherd with a stuttering problem. And he was called to rescue millions of people from slavery. 
This had nothing to do with his talent. He said, God, who am I? And God never said anything about Moses. Well, you're great, man. Moses, you went to the best schools. Moses, you were raised, and he never went to any of that. He said, he said, none of that matters because I will be with you. I have come down, and when you go, I go. When you talk, I talk. When you walk, I'm walking. When you reach out your hand, I'm reaching out my hand. He didn't call him because he was talented. He called him because Moses had seen, he had heard, and he knew. And God is, sometimes what happens to us is we escape something and we spend our whole lives running from the thing we, we got out of. But God is saying, hey, you saw that and you heard that and you know that because I'm calling you back to the people that are still stuck in that. That's what, he, that's what he's doing. So I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can very often see what God is calling me to by the things that I have seen, the things that I have heard, and the things that I know. To know. To know God had to, in Jesus, get out of heaven and into the earth. Do you know that it's necessary for you to get out of your comfort zone. It's necessary for you to get off of your high place and step down into some really low and dirty places to really do the thing that God has called you to do. You gotta get out of your comfort zone. You gotta get to know people that are not the same age as you. That scares some of y'all to death. These young people are like, oh, I don't, I don't have anything in common with them. That's the point. You need to get to know them so you can understand them. Because until you understand them, you won't have compassion on them and you will never reach them. See, if you're, if you're an older person in here and you're thinking, I don't have anything in common with the younger person. I don't have anything to say to the younger person. Look at how they dress. Look at how they act. Look at what they watch. We are so completely different. That's the point. God wants you to get to know them so that you can understand them, so that you can have compassion on them, so that you can bring the answer. Because why? You have been where they have been. We say it to our kids all the time. The reason I'm saying this to you is not because I'm trying to, I'm mad at you. It's because I know what you're going through. And they look at us like, you're crazy. You have no idea. And we're like, I was just there. I'm only 40. Like, I know I have gray hair and some of it's missing, but I was just there a few years ago. Walk in the hallways at Elizabethan High School. Walk in the hallways and the campus at ETSU. Like, I know what you're going through. Let me speak into your life. And young person, you're going to miss out on so much wisdom and so much rescue if you don't just chill out for a moment and hear their perspective. Same with you, older person. Because they might just be trying to save you from your tradition that has locked you up and bound you up and you don't experience God anymore and you're still living off that miracle that happened in 1995 but God's saying, I'm doing something brand new in 2019. No eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind can know. And I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to bring rescue in your life but you won't get outside your age. You won't get outside your race. 
Started looking through, through pictures of gatherings and events and times where I've celebrated. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm, and in my heart I got, I was thankful for the people that were there, but I was also broken because of the people that weren't. Because I looked at it and I said, wow, a lot of those people there, they look like me. There's not enough people there that don't look like me. There's, listen, as, as much as I believe God is doing a great thing in this church and that he is bringing people from all different types of walks of life, from different culture, different background, different ages, different races, I think the picture that we take should look a little more diverse every month, every, every six months, every year, it should look a little bit more diverse. Why? Because we refuse to get comfortable with just living around people that look like us and come from where we come from and have the same color of skin as us. We are constantly getting out of our comfort zone and inviting people into our world that don't look like us and our pictures are changing. Looked at a picture and my heart was broken. There were 10 10 people around me and none of them were from a different race, different nation, different tribe, different tongue, none. And that's my fault. Because I didn't invite, I didn't step out of my comfort zone and what I had been familiar with. See, all the people there, I had grown up with them. It's, it's, it's easy. The Bible teaches us this. If, if, if you only love the people that love you, you only care about the people that care about you, what's the big deal in that? Real love, true love, is the type of love that steps out of its comfort zone and into a world that you don't understand and calls people that aren't like you to you. This is how we, this is how we rescue. We see, we hear, we know. And I know people say, well listen, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. I hear that, and I understand that, that that's an important point to relationship. But can I tell you, you, you need to get out of your own income bracket when it comes to relationships. Yes. Amen. If you're only surrounding people, if you're only putting people in your life that, that around you because you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to put people around you that I wanna be where they are, I, I understand that, and I get that as a, as a business model for life. But can I tell you, you need people in your life that don't have what you have, can't go where you go, because it makes you think just a little bit. Do you, do you know what, when I make decisions for the church, do you know what happens very often? I, make, I, I, start, I start to think, how is this going to affect not just the wealthy people, one of the reasons I believe God hasn't even released me to build a new building right now is because in our church, this is not a church that caters to the wealthy. So we have a lot of people in our church that are at the poverty level or, or lower. And what I have to do is I cannot build a building that puts unwealthy people in a position to have to fund something they don't have the resources to fund. 
and take them through a one-year, two-year, three-year building pledge and fund process trying to draw out of them that was not even in them. I have to think. And when you are surrounded by people that aren't like you, that don't come from where you come from, it makes you think a little bit before you make a decision. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It makes you think, how is this going to affect the people that are in my life? I've got people in my life that don't have anything. How is me buying this going to affect them? How is this going to look in the community? How is it going to look? See, that's one of the, that's one of the reasons you'll never find, find this guy living up on a mountain in a gated community in a two, four, five million dollar home because I got people in this church that can't even afford to pay their rent. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what I'm saying is it's not that God wouldn't bless me to do that. It's that I won't do that because I've got people in my life that it will impact and I will become a stumbling block too. So watch this. You put people in your life to make you make better decisions. Jeez. Well, glory. It's not whether or not can you afford to do it. It's should you. <laughs> should you. What kind of statement does that make? What kind of signal does that send to the people in a community? That's why, listen, I, I've had people come to this church and they said, listen, the, the reason we're here is because um, our pastor told us that, if, that we would actually fit better at your church. And I ended up talking to that guy and I was like, well, well why, would you, why would you say that? And literally, preachers would say, well, they're not the type of person we're really going after. What are we talking about? Only in America, only in America is the church. Only in America does the church have the audacity to target certain groups of people. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't care what your background is. Can I tell you, if you're gonna come to church here, there are gonna be a lot of people that come to church here that are not your target demographic. They, they are not the kind of people that you want your kids hanging out with. They're, they are not the kind of people that you would normally invite over to dinner. They, they are not the kind of people that you would normally have, have to the birthday party. They are not the kind of people that you would have, have come over and have, have a Sunday afternoon lunch with. But God is calling them to this place because he's trying to do something very different here. We're not targeting a, Democrat, a, a demographic. We're not targeting an age. We're not targeting a race. We are God's people. And we will look like heaven. Heaven's going to be full of white people and black people. It's going to be full of poor people and rich people. It's going to be full of people from Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan. It's going to be full of people from Russia and Germany. It's going to be full of people from Brazil. It's going to be full of people from Canada. I know you don't like Canada, but God loves Canada. I just want you to know that what heaven looks like is what this church is going to look like and continue to look like. Because the concern is rescue, it's not comfort. It's rescue. Watch this, oppression is the result of fear. Fear of the others. 
Fear of the other side of the train tracks. Fear of from that neighborhood. Fear of from that part of town. Well, you know they, and you know them, and you know they always, and you know. That's fear, and fear oppresses. The whole reason the, the Hebrew people are in slavery is because, watch this, in Exodus chapter one, verse eight, the Bible says that a Pharaoh rose up that didn't know Joseph. He didn't have a relationship with anybody that was Hebrew, and because he didn't have a relationship with anybody that was Hebrew, he didn't know Joseph, he didn't know his past, he didn't know his background, he didn't know anything about him, and because of that, the Bible says that he was afraid of the Hebrews. Why, because he didn't know one. And you, you, you fear what you don't understand. You fear it. And what happens in your life is sometimes unknowingly, you begin to oppress people and develop opinions of people. Why? Because you don't know them. When you make statements like they all, or they, or that group, or people from there, or people from that part of town, and you generalize people, it's because you don't know them. You don't know them. And what has happened is you are afraid of what you don't know. You don't want to admit that, but when you see them, you walk to the other side of the street. When you're in a private place or a close space with people like that, you grab your purse a little bit tighter. See, and I'm not just talking about white people with black people. Can I tell you, this happens in all races, in all forms. People are afraid of each other. And our politicians aren't doing anything to help us. So I've given up on, on Pennsylvania Avenue to solve our problems. You know who is the answer for this? Jesus Christ, the one who died for the whole world. He didn't just die for Americans. He didn't just die for Canadians. He didn't just die for Africans. He died for the whole world. Fear. He, there, there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. Watch this. Rescue. How does rescue come? Rescue is the result of courage. In Exodus 1, watch this. This is so good. In Exodus 1, you think Moses is the point of this whole story. Moses is, 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 is an afterthought if none of this stuff happens in Exodus chapter 1. There's these two Egyptian ladies you know, the bad people in the story. No, the Egyptians weren't bad. They had a bad leader who made them do bad things. So watch. Shifra and, and Pua, their names mean beauty and brilliance. <laughs> In Exodus 1, 17, the Bible tells us, well, a few verses earlier, the Bible tells us that Pharaoh commanded all of the Egyptian midwives to, to kill the Hebrew boy babies that were being born, as they were being born. He said, so as they come out and they're on the birthing table and it's a boy, you kill it. Watch what, they, watch what they do. The Bible says, but because they feared the Lord, they did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. 
Rescue is the result of courage. Moses, this Hebrew boy, he gets snuffed out if it's not for two Egyptian. Rescue is the result of courage. Now watch what God does when you are courageous and kind to people who aren't like you. Exodus 1, 20 through 21. So God was kind to the midwives. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. <laughs> Rescue is the result of commitment. It's the result of courage. It's the result of commitment. In Exodus chapter three, the Bible tells us about the commitment of Moses' mother to him. She was so committed to him. She was, she was committed to love him. Commitment will show itself and express itself in these different ways. And you can write these down if you want. It'll show itself in love. Moses' mother loved him enough to give him away rather than to see him die. It was, it was shown, her commitment to him was shown in wisdom. The Bible teaches us that she waited three months before she let him go. She trusted God then to keep her baby safe and sound and hidden. Watch this. Commitment will show itself in creativity. She built him an ark for him to travel down the river. When you are committed to something, you don't give up just because A to B didn't work. You find creative ways to get from point A to point B. Patient. Commitment will show itself in patience. During the first three months of Moses' life, she quietly kept him hidden. Watch. And then she places him in the river. She watches and waits. Now watch what her patience gets her. When you're committed, it will cause you to be patient. Watch what happens. When Pharaoh's daughter finds him, she calls for Moses' own mom to come and nurse him. <laughs> Confidence. When you're committed, you're confident. She believed that placing Moses in an ark was not sending him to his death, but saving him from death. When you are committed, you are confident. You make confident decisions. Third part, rescue is the result of compassion. Courage, commitment, and compassion. In Exodus chapter two and six, the Bible says that Pharaoh's daughter opened it, opened up the ark, the, the basket, and she saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. And she said, this is one of the Hebrew babies. Watch this. So there were four women in Moses' life that rescued him. One of them was like him. Three of them were unlike him. Are you missing your point of rescue because you don't like where the hand that's rescuing you came from? Are you missing your point of rescue because poor people don't have anything to say to me? Are you missing your point of rescue because white people don't have anything to say to me? Black people don't have anything to say to me. Are you missing your point of rescue? Because what if God is using Pharaoh's daughter, doesn't say anything about her fearing God. 
She served the gods of Egypt. Are you missing your point of rescue because you don't like the religion of somebody God's trying to use in your life? The Bible teaches us that we are not supposed to fear strangers and foreigners, people from other faiths. We've created a culture and Christian culture in America that is afraid, scared to death of people from other faiths and religions. Scared to death. Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, I have not... God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There is no reason for you to be afraid. Oh, I, don't, I don't want my kids to be around those Muslims. I don't want my kids to be around the. Why are you so afraid? Is your God God or not? Or is he so weak that your kid being around somebody from another faith is gonna, why, why are you looking sideways at people that don't serve the God you serve? Ooh, this is good. This is good. Hebrews 13 and two says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers and foreigners, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You, you, I don't want to serve that guy because he doesn't look like me, talk like me, and act like me. But God said, no, they're an angel, and you missed it. Okay. Matthew 25 and 35, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a foreigner, and you welcomed me. Leviticus 19 and 34, when a foreigner sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers and foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I'm just going to leave that there. Compassion means this. It comes from a Latin word, C-O-M-P-A-T-I, compati, which means to suffer with. Compassion means someone else's heartbreak becomes your heartbreak. Another's suffering becomes your suffering. True compassion changes the way you live. You don't have to accept their God. You don't have to convert to their belief. But don't you dare treat them with hostility because God died for them and loves them just as much as he loves you. So stand with me. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? That means this. That means you are a door opener. You are a door opener. And I know somebody's going to leave this place and somebody's going to be, uh, be like, oh, Robbie got into politics today. I am not making a political statement on the borders. Listen, I, the government's got to do whatever the government's got to do. I'm, I'm telling you how I'm choosing to act as a Christian. I'm not making a statement for pro wall, build a wall, don't build, like I don't care, do whatever, Pennsylvania Avenue, do whatever you're gonna do. You're probably gonna, whatever you do, you'll probably mess it up anyway. 
What I am, what I am saying, this is how I'm choosing to live as a follower of Jesus, no matter what my government does. No matter if they shut the border or they open the border, I'm going to live like this. I am a door opener. I use my influence for others, not to oppress others. I am a king and a queen maker. I'm not building a kingdom. I am making kings and queens. I am an encourager. In other words, I am not tearing people down. I am building them up. Encouragement, it lists people's spirits. It eases fear. It relieves anxiety. It speaks hope. It breathes life. It soothes pain and it brings calm. You are a vision equipper. These are, these are, these are, these are things that you are because you are in Christ. Your call is to rescue. My call is to not wall myself in from the rest of the world and just survive until Jesus gets back. My call is to step out of what is comfortable to me and step into uncomfortable places and speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to people I don't agree with, people I don't like, people that don't look like me, people that don't talk like me, and tell them that Jesus loves them and that because Jesus loves them, I love them too, and I open doors and I encourage people and I, I, I soothe fear and I, and, and I calm down anxious people and I, and I, I swing doors open for people and I use my influence to push people up, not build my own kingdom. And I dream. This is why I dream. I dream because watch this. The, the definition of vision is something seen in a dream. And the reason, see, every time you dream, you encourage others to have a vision. And sometimes we are visionless because we are not surrounded by dreamers. God wants you as his people to dream so people around you can get a vision for their life. I need to let you go. It's 1010. Parking lot people are going to beat me up. So let's pray, okay? Rescue. We're committed to it. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you that you have rescued us and that you are calling us to rescue Again, this is not a political statement. This is a gospel message. This is what the good news of Jesus does. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to help others see you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen.